0: hello i'm brad and i'm jason you are listening to dice Dice i was thinking back it was probably i'm thinking of the timeline so 1987 um bunch of us were hanging out a, at a friend's house we ended up sleeping over and swimming in the pool and all that i remember the next morning jason's wondering where i'm going with this um that morning um he said hey you should read this you might like this um i was always into sci-fi and everything like that and it was a book um first book of the Dragonlance chronicles uh here we go okay and um ended up reading and picking up the trilogy um, and then read the Legends trilogy, um, which is about um, the Majere brothers. And I read a lot of other stuff in there, but all that. But that, those six books, the, the two trilogies, are, were probably, that was the closest I got to D&D all through middle school and high school and all that. But loved those books, read them multiple times. Yeah, It makes me think I should, I should read them again um that could be cool but i was fascinated by the the faith that was developed in those as well as um a concept of and jason doesn't know all this stuff because he 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 had i can't believe it he had maybe a little bit more of a life and didn't read them but um
1: i was reading sci-fi that's the only difference
0: i guess okay potato potato um cataclysm and dragons And so while you and I have gamed, we haven't done a lot with dragons. No, no. Um, We haven't just, you know, we'll talk about this another time. We haven't been at a point where our characters were leveled enough that would make it any interesting. I I was
1: just going to say. Yeah, I did.
0: I did introduce one, but using my well-known DM prerogative, I made it worthwhile for you guys to actually attack and beat a dragon. Um, And I was actually excited because that was the first time I could introduce a dragon into a game that I was playing or jamming.
1: It was really cool. It remains one of – I told you this at the time. That is one of my absolute favorite moments in role-playing.
0: Yeah, that was a lot. That was a fun one. Um, And I got to do a dragon. And so, um, you know, we've had – jeff ashworth on we've talked about the game masters books for npcs traps puzzles random encounters um the new one came out from media lab books yep um yep that um aaron hubrick led on um the game master's book of legendary dragons and this book i've talked about it before i've had it on pre-order for a while beautiful it doesn't talk about it 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 goes beyond talking about the types of dragons you're gonna hear me flip Mm -hmm. pages it's gonna Mm -hmm. actually talk about actual dragons you know
1: as as like the ravaged worm fury the
0: dragon queen of hell yeah glitz the rapscallion
1: and Um, as as individuals with as legendary individuals with their own lore
0: yeah and so you know you and i've talked about this it's almost it is a theme now of rpg materials lit and this was another book that i could read as lit
1: yeah so and it just so happens that in a moment we are going to share with you our interview with its creator Right with Aaron Hubrick, we had the the real pleasure of speaking with him not long ago about not just his thoughts on this book, how it came to be, uh, but also just his evolution as an artist. Yeah, and and you know, obviously
0: his partnership with in his group's partnership with Media Lab in putting together this book, but the work he's done with, um, you know. With Jetpack Seven, which is the publishing mm-hmm, arm of mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the company that he has, and all the different yeah. books—Legendary Dragons, Gods and Goddesses, yeah. Masters and Minions—I mean, great we'll talk stuff more about it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I think let's just get there, Brad. It's Good. it's a yeah. really interesting, wide-ranging uh, conversation, and Aaron was gracious with with his background, with his story. Aaron Hubrick is a writer, artist, and designer, publisher at Jetpack 7, creative director at Conceptopolis, a company that contributed hundreds of art pieces for the Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition core books. Aaron has been playing Dungeons and Dragons since there were yellow character sheets that didn't take to erasers very well and has fond memories of Thack Zero.
0: as i mentioned earlier i've been a big fan of um the game the game masters books that came out by um media lab books and the latest one is in my hands the game masters book of legendary dragons and we are lucky to have um aaron hubrick with us tonight so aaron thanks for joining us we really appreciate it thank you guys yeah hey so if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of step back. How did the connection um, with Media Lab come together? In terms of, did you have content already, or was it something that made, you made the connection and then you started developing content? How did that all? Yeah. How did what was the genesis of that?
2: Yeah. Well, I would imagine it. It, it originally came because uh, Phil um, from Media Lab originally approached us. To, uh, approached us after he saw our uh, kickstarted book called Legendary Dragons, and so it was from there. I, I actually I have a funny story. He actually emailed me a couple times, and you get those emails like, "Hey, we're really interested in licensing your product. Uh, please give me a call back or contact me right away." And I was like, "Whatever, man." You know, I, I, so I just kind of you know spam it. You know, goes right to the spam folder. Like right. I get this stuff all the time, right? So then like a week later, get another one, but it's a little bit more, the tone, the tone had shifted at that point. Like I've been trying to get a hold of Aaron at Jetpack 7. Is there anyone there I can speak to? <laughs> so then I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so That's he actually cool. left a phone number and we got to chatting, but yeah, that was basically it. He uh, got a hold of, of legendary dragons and thought that would be something that they were, they were interested in for the game master series. And it no. just kind of, you know, it kind of blossomed from there. So we really appreciate them reaching out to us and, but it, it almost didn't
1: happen because it That's almost answered. <laughs> it's kind of the age we're in though. I mean, you get all this spam all the time, right? Even my daughters get texts that are spam and I right. just keep, just delete it. Don't even read it.
2: Yeah. It happens to, especially publishers like us or small, small, uh, small publishers like us sure. because, it's you know back when i used to do uh independent comic books back in the 90s there would be studios that would contact us and say we want to make you the next great movie and, and it was just okay guys they they had lots of promises lots of uh, just trying to talk you up and whatnot but you know 99 of the time it's fake but this time it was real and i'm i'm thankful for it it <laughs> hey,
0: just so it's just to cool. backtrack for those that aren't familiar so um the, like you said kind of the genesis was was Phil and Media Lab, seeing your Legendary Dragons book that was out on Kickstarter. Um, what, is the content different between the two? How do they differ?
2: There is some similarities, uh, but we added a lot more um, in this version of the book. The original book, I think, um, if I'm if my count is correct, um, I want to say it was 19, 19 uh, maybe 16, 18, 19 dragons, something like that, um, just off of memory. And then, so we had a lot more dragons. I think we added more, six six or seven more dragons for this book, um, added some adventures. So there's definitely more um, in this, but we went from, I think, 150 to 170 pages to 240 pages. So it, it got, Ooh. there's a lot more content on this one. Wow.
0: I know for me, you know, I Jason Jason kind of laughs because when Wizards came out with Fizman's book, for dragons, um, I was on it, and then when I saw this book come out for dragons, I've kind of got a uh, a thing for them. I don't, yeah, you do, yeah. When I, I don't <laughs> do a lot of dragoning when we game because we are still relative, we don't have a lot of time, but um, whenever possible, I try to implement one, and that's what
1: caught my attention. Well, and um, just because you you pre ordered this mm-hmm. one right way in it like you had you had told me about, it. I had no idea it was coming. Um, yeah. it was, I got So, Aaron, I have to ask. So, how does one... This is probably a stupid question. How does one write for dragons? I mean, how does one come up with so many alternative pathways? I mean, these aren't your typical NPCs.
2: Well, I'll steal a little bit from Jim Pinto, who helped write a few of these dragons in here. And uh, what he... A lot of it is... I never think of it in terms like this, but he kind of described it and I agreed with him pretty much right away. but imagine um, I'm not a big time you know WWE or wrestling fan yeah. but he described it that every single wrestler has its own distinct personality. so if you just kind of keep that in mind when you're writing that these are ancient intelligent creatures they're all going to have their own personalities and that was uh that was kind of like the the aha, uh-huh, if you want to use that cliche. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the, the light kind of went on that okay, let's let's have a foundation of a of a character 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 type. Yeah. And um, and then go from there. Um, so you, you at least get a, a basis. You get the bad guy, you get the good guy, you get the heel, you get the, you know, <laughs> yeah. all yeah. these, all these types. Um, so that was kind of the the foundation in which we were approaching each one, but we we also wanted to make it different than what uh what you might see a wizard of the coast um right th- that was kind of i might be getting a little ahead here but that was no. w- one of the primary reasons we wanted to make each dragon unique in that okay you're not fighting a, a let's say a black dragon or a red dragon right. which you kind of know what to expect you know right. what's coming um it's like the metagaming aspect of that part of it. and we were right. trying to get away from that a little bit
1: as as distinct characters as distinct Correct. personalities. That's right. Okay, interesting. That's the legendary
2: aspect of that.
1: Yeah, that that's cool. That's I I'm just yeah, I like like Brad said, you know, we 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 really haven't played with dragons in in we haven't even really entertained it beyond well you know. we did okay okay sorry but that was the, yeah it, there was the one but that wasn't really like it wasn't the same right it was it was a simplified interaction for my brand new pc but but that's a far cry from you know creating characters who are so old so powerful etc um very 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 cool i mean do you do you guys involved with the creation, do you enjoy playing with through around against dragons in your own games? Do you, do you even have much chance to play these days? Oh yeah.
2: The, uh, the, I mean, the idea that we have because we know it is kind of, I mean, it's interesting that the game is called Dungeons and Dragons, but your interaction potential is kind of limited (laughs) because they're so darn powerful. So, but, but what you can do is that there can be the, 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 the heartbeat behind it there's a driving force behind this you, you can build an entire campaign around these particular dragons and so that was kind of how we approached it that you you may not face these dragons until level 12 or beyond right however there's there's the the history of it there's the reason why you're dealing with the fallout of of a particular dragon there might be a dragon that you've heard uh, you go into a town and you you discover that there's this incredible beer, but it's it's rumored to be brewed by a dragon, and, you, and you're just wondering, you know, stuff like that. That it's, it causes interest. It causes you it causes you to move forward as players to find out more and more and more, and then you eventually you encounter this dragon, or you don't. Um, it just can, it can continue on, um, but this I, just looking for reasons for players to 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 keep pushing forward, and maybe it kind of works its way in and out. Um, but it's still there, still in the backdrop. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> you, you absolutely no, did.
0: Yeah, How, I am even What is cake. the I mean, there's so many different directions you could go when writing material. Um, right. you know, and I couldn't I can't fathom it. I'm not Jason's more of a writer than I am, but he writes in a in a different field. Yeah. Um, what was even with the original Legendary Dragons book. Um, what was the onus behind going in the kind of that direction versus just something else yeah. as an example?
2: Yeah. Well, I think we found out early on one of our, uh, actually our very first book that we made was uh, called Gods and Goddesses. Yeah. And uh, from that book, we realized that we've found a kind of a niche that will, instead of having a bunch of different deities in that book, we concentrated on a, on a handful, let's say 20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so from there it gave us the freedom to explore a little bit more to give it a little bit more backstory to give it a little bit more history to, it just gives it more meat on the bone so to speak yeah so we thought we can create another quote monster book but we didn't really want to do that we wanted to kind of throw our brains into this book a little bit more instead of it just having i mean there's nothing wrong with monster but they're fantastic um but we like lore. We like that background. Right. We like we like the storyline right. that, that we can present. So a GM doesn't have to necessarily think about that kind of thing. They can just flip through and go, oh, oh, this'll be perfect. This is exactly where I want to go. And then I can yeah. deviate from, I can segue into the next adventure that I have planned. So that's kind of the, I, I hate to use the word niche again, but that's kind of where we fall into it. And that's our comfort zone is having some kind of a a large amount of enough lore there that you can work with as a GM.
1: I mean, we, I I think I can speak for the both of us, Brad. I mean, we're, we're biased because we love this kind of stuff. We've been, we've been talking on a bunch of episodes and among ourselves, just this notion of RPG materials as lit. And I mean, that just keeps coming up for me as I'm listening to you describe, you know, the lore and the legendary stuff of, of these are whole fleshed out stories. This is writing, this is literature. This isn't just stat blocks.
2: Yeah. And those that's actually, I mean, writing the stat blocks, there's someone that might be looking at this just through the surface and go, well, all these things are like end of the game monsters and they're all CR 30. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> they are not, not all of them, not all of them, but there's so much more to that that yeah. don't just look at the stats because yeah. I think that's a habit that I mean all gamers I think everyone that's played D D flips through and goes oh see I can totally beat a terrasque I mean look at that I mean it's got this and that so it that that's their inner their inner dialogue well it, we have to we would challenge players and GMs don't just look at the stats look at how you can put this thing in your game so that it so that when your players do encounter it either in passing or at the end of the, the big campaign, it's there if you want it. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think, you know, in in even looking through the book, and I mean, I, I read through a lot of books just as lit RPG books. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a goof that way. And that's what kind of really attracted me to this was, you know, specifying specific dragons. I guess I just...
1: It still works. The, Go for it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Thank you. Um, but, you know, <laughs> reading about each dragon as literature. Um, yes even if i wasn't necessarily going to implement one right away mostly because you know jason can barely throw throwing axes without
1: that <laughs> hey level three out. is level three my friend i mean yeah we
0: can so so we're not there yet <laughs> but i still love reading this material and i guess it goes back to you know the days when i was i think we're probably relatively close in age when the Dragonlance books out the original chronicles and yeah, reading yeah. those and um and that's where kind of my fascination came in so um you know even stepping back further so
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and correct me here um so you have um independent of even media lab coordinating with media lab you have a separate entity that you also do publishing out of if i'm correct right
2: yep it's called uh, jetpack 7 mm-hmm. and uh if, if you want me to, I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, yeah. the abridged or the the short version of how Jetpack yeah. 7 even came Please. about. Yeah. Um, well, we have uh, Jetpack 7 as a subsidiary of a, of our art studio called Conceptopolis and Conceptopolis right. started back in 2006, officially uh, October. Yeah. So we're, we're mm-hmm. that old now. <laughs> it just, it just tell me how old we are now um, as a company, <laughs> but yeah, um, so we started out working with Hasbro uh, back in 2006 uh, and we did, there was the 25th anniversary line of uh, GI Joe toys that had come out around that time. <laughs> we,
1: we were, were talking on. about this right before we recorded. Okay. Oh, so really? keep going. Yeah. oh
2: my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
0: tell that's you cool. something about it after you're yeah. done, cause I'm fascinated by the story.
2: Yeah. That's so. cool. That's cool. No, we, uh, I, uh, I found out that they were getting ready to relaunch that it was in 2006. So we, We were approached by them uh, to see, they, again, this, I could, I could probably go on an hour with just this part, but I'll give you the really short version. Um, So Hasbro or what at the time was called Kenner in Cincinnati, Kenner moved up to Rhode Island. um, I want to say back in the late nineties. And uh, when they took, uh, when they took some of their assets uh, like the, the card art that you remember, the GI Joe's, how they were painted. Uh, Most of that art was just given away or distributed or lost, you know, air quotes lost. I don't, I don't know either way. They only had a few pieces left. So they needed someone to be able to recreate that art, but they wanted it done in Photoshop. So they asked me the art director there that I knew, his name was Adam Pagano. And he asked me, he said, can you guys, I know you guys do comic book art, but, uh, can you guys recreate this gouache style art? And I'm like, absolutely. And I, I was looking around like, how the hell are we going to do this? I have, I just completely lied through my teeth, right? <laughs> so we did a couple test pieces, and long story short, we got the gig. And then we just were knee deep in GI Joe art for about two and a half years. We did all oh, the wow. package art for them. Um, did a lot of box art. I'm looking around my office right now, looking at some pieces. So, um, and then that. That helped us get established within Hasbro. Mm. We took that and just it started building from there, and eventually we made our way. Um, and we we did card art for years. We did a uh, um, Legend of the Five Rings art. That was that was how I started my relationship with Jim Pinto. He was the art director okay. at the time there. So uh, that it's just that's how our company worked. We build our relationships and then just keep going from there. And then we eventually ended up over at uh, Wizard of the Coast. Um, My wife needed some uh, dental surgery. We were just happened to be up in Seattle um, over a weekend, and so I talked to the guys at uh, Wizard of the Coast. John Shinda Hetty was the uh, was the art director, creative director there, I think. And uh, he invited me in while my wife was recovering from surgery, dental surgery. Went through the offices, and he's like showing me around, and yeah, we're getting ready to do a, a new version of D Don't tell anybody. I'm like oh okay because yeah I know that there were rumors of it so yeah oh by the way we need some art I'm like okay so it just it just was very organic that's cool he he asked hey can you how much art can you do in about six months I'm like well uh off the top of my head I think we could do xyz and so that's how we got the gig doing dozens of dragons art so uh the art that you see in the fifth edition Dungeon Masters guy, that's 99% of ours. Uh, we did about a third of the monsters in the monster manual. That's so cool. I have this
0: look right in my hand right here because it's sitting on my desk. <laughs> you got to so, point
2: to it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: So, all the magic items you're seeing, about a third oh, of the wow. monsters in the uh, monster manual. And then it's just, I've I, 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 sometimes I pinch myself because we, we got to do a lot of cool stuff. So, Dad, but that's yeah. kind of how we got to this point. Um, had a friend of mine, uh, he created a book called uh, The Baby Bestiary. And that's ultimately what got me thinking, you know what? We've got so much, we have so much talent available to us on the art side. Yeah. I haven't done publishing. I thought I am, I'm an idiot for getting back into publishing, but I missed it. I missed getting back. I used to do independent comic books back in the 90s. And I thought, you know what? It can't be that much different, right? <laughs> So no, I I wasn't that naive, but that's, we took that dive because I was, you know, silly enough to get back into this idea that I thought, oh, we can do this too, but we can do it with more colorful pieces. And so we kickstarter gods and goddesses and that's where kind of where we are now. And that's, I I guess at the end of the day, Phil saw, we, we garnered enough attention uh, with the books that we published. That's, that's how we struck up a relationship with Media Lab Phil and Jeff and those guys. So wow. it's been great. I mean, that, I give you, the, I gave you about the shortest version that I can give you, but that's that's basically our, our backstory.
1: So, so, and and obviously, you know, no, no, no giveaways here. But what what's next, or what would you like to see next for Jetpack Seven?
2: We currently have a Kickstarter called Masters Minions and Tactics, mm-hmm. which is an expansion to our original Masters and Minions book which is basically um, an encounter book that, it, that focuses on a bad a villain or a bad guy, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. and then their usage of minions. So we focused on that. Okay. And uh, we did 15, 15 masters and minions. It was about a 100-page book originally. Jeez. And it's just been in the back of our minds to just redo that because we, mm-hmm. ran, we ran out of books. So let's wow. just have an excuse to do a second printing, expand on that, add a lot more tactics in it. But uh, it's currently on Kickstarter. Uh, I've got funded last week, so we're in, we're in good shape. Congratulations! There. Yeah, thank you. Jeez, yeah, you guys are busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good busy though.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, and like I think of of your work in in the D D guy. I just, I mean, like that. You know, you just become part of history. You've become like this fundamental part of dnd forever that's awfully
2: neat it is it is neat and it's one of those i i don't disagree and it's one of those oh my gosh i mean you okay because now now i have to now it's visualization time with aaron
1: (laughs) we're ready we're ready
2: okay so imagine a i don't know i want to say a 12 year old kid in lagrange kentucky uh outside of louisville kentucky and He's got this really thick country accent and he loves he, he a friend of his slaps down a, a yellow character sheet and makes him draw draw an elf fighter. And I'm like, what is this for? What is what is this character sheet for? Oh, it's for this game called Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, oh, well, oh, right. You mean the cartoon? No, man, it's a game. And so it's like you have those conversations as a as a kid. And so you investigate some more and. and so I'll, I'll give you the shorter version of this story too. I fell in love with, uh, I, I found out that uh, Jeff Easley and Larry Elmore were from Kentucky also. And I thought, man, are you kidding me? Cause I can draw. And I thought, I wonder if this could be, it's kind of like seeing you're good at baseball as a kid and you see a, a baseball player on TV. Well, that was my baseball players back then <laughs> or those guys. And I'm thinking, man, I want to work there. I want to work at this place called TSR. And so I made it my mission to be the next great, you know, TSR artist. I was going to, I was, was hell bent on that. And so from there on, it was just D and D 24 seven learning how to draw like those guys. So, oh, wow. but yeah, to be a part of that, to be even in the same breath be in the same sentence as those guys. is just, it's, it's kind of a, it, it's one of those, Oh my gosh. It gives, it still gives me chills to think about and I, 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 my wife and I were at uh Gen Con years ago and we sat literally two, two seats away from Jeff Easley. And, and she's like, elbowing me, like go over there and talk to him. I'm like, no, man, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't meet him. It's going to turn me out. It, and he turned out to be the nicest guy ever. That's <laughs> he really did. <laughs> so anyway, that's what well, I was the, I was the nerd kid who loved, uh, D art and here we are doing DD art and it's really
1: cool so well cool.
0: and think about how much of a footprint the, such a bigger footprint 5e is oh my
2: god
1: wow. versus
0: back when we were kids when it was still red box original or you know even early editions of ad and d don't get me wrong i'm a wisconsinite tsr you know you know is about absolutely an hour, or lake geneva is about 45 minutes yeah. southwest of me mm-hmm. um so That's, obviously you know, I have a soft spot for it, but, but you know I mean, just the fact to,
2: we had to hide, it? I mean, it, it was like, mm-hmm. it was like this thing you didn't, you only talked about, you it's almost like code. You had to like yep. slip it out of your book bag and kind of look around make sure either it's, it's like a, a secret symbol or something like, right. you know, yeah. right. Oh, you, I didn't know Joe played d d man. We got to talk to him. Okay. Yeah. You have, yeah, you,
0: I remember a kid used to carry the book around. Um, he was unabashedly. Um, unafraid of of anything that would come up on it, but um, I didn't play much because I had I was a band geek and everything else. But mm-hmm. um, but just the idea of you being you know young and pondering writing for, for or you know Man. drawing and Man. being an artist for TSR, and now you're doing it in a game that has you know grown exponentially. Yeah, um, it's crazy, you know. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Do um you know so how much gaming do you still get a chance to do?
2: Mm-hmm. Lately, it's it's honestly been terrible. But I mean, with the uh, with the COVID stuff, I'm I'm kind of old school, man. I I have to play in person. I mean, I, I appreciate, I love the fact that everyone there's so many more people now being able to play online, and that's great. And it's just a it, that's just a personal choice on my end that I just want to be. I want to get. It's kind of like. I I played fantasy football too. So in the in the here's how I compare the two. And so, you know, the the last couple of years, they've been doing fantasy football drafts online and it's fine. But they I'm like, this is the first time we can get together and drink some beer and talk football and talk trash to each other and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing. It's my it's my same mentality when I play D D. So it I I want to, but fortunately I will I will in end this part. Um on a positive note there's a local there's local stores around here that start doing it on like friday and saturday night and it's game nights at stores which again is new to me it's it's probably the usual thing for most people that are younger than 40 and uh it's just i want to get back what about i want to go there show up incognito and just be you know the older guy (laughs) <laughs> hey, I, was I was just, just gonna, mean, gonna say, are you gonna go? Are you gonna go in
0: like, as you know, like, Joe Sixpack or something like that? Because if they catch oh your God. name, they may, they may, they may put one and one together and realize yeah. who they're actually gaming with.
2: I'll just use my porn star name or something. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, you
1: can't just leave it like
2: that. <laughs> yeah, you
1: can <laughs> Oh, okay. Now you want to know? <laughs> no, we yeah. can't
2: because now if he's gonna
0: use it, he can't.
1: Oh, that's a good point. That's a good just point. Just say it's well.
2: it's uh it's. Uh, it's a common name with a mountain range. You know, this is the first street I lived on. It was a large mountain range. <laughs> works really well. oh. So Bob
0: Grand Tetons, is that what it is? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well,
0: there goes the E on it, right? There, so I just there are so many things <laughs> conceptually wrong with that
1: idea, but still I like where this is going.
0: <laughs> no, but you know, you know, I'm, I'm similar fantasy football. I, I kind of stopped playing during the pandemic um because the online thing um where you can't get together and do the draft and and everything like that you know it just it just didn't appeal to me now i haven't really ever other than on rare on a rare occasion when i was younger gamed with people at like, like a store or at a table yeah. Yeah. um you know by the time jason and i started getting back into this in the middle part of the last decade um we still had there was still very little time and then we decided to do a podcast and we have even less time. Um, But the idea I'm, I'm with you, the idea of getting in front of people um, I think that's almost in many ways. And, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like it's an our generation thing. The younger generations don't necessarily seem to care The the Snapchat, and the TikTok generations don't care as much about being in front of each other zoom or whatever the case is. They could still be they could still be content and game that way.
2: I think it's um, great. I honestly think it's yeah. great because uh, yeah. if it's as long as the spirit of the game continues, even if it's in a different format, um, you know, it would be like me saying, "Ah, well, I don't like World of Warcraft. That is just not cool." You know, I, I can't imagine doing. If if you're enjoying it in the format that you're that you're using, then go for it. Just play. Just have fun with friends if you meet them in person it's even going to be cooler
0: yeah when you're talking about gi joe it's funny because i was i showed jason um an intro to a (laughs) cartoon that was popular in the late 80s a a show called mask where they drove these cars okay you know mask you're close to the same age well right around the time he started doing um that art they retconned in some form the mask characters into the G.I. Joe universe. Um, and that's what I was talking with him about. And I showed him the intro of mask. And so then had... you bring up G.I. Joe. Oh it was my just, God. It, yeah, you know, it was so yeah. Matt tracker from mask was actually a G, They created a G.I. Joe character of him. Um, a Figure. Um, action figure See, is what I remember calling him.
2: I was so, not even aware. See, I'm pretty good on that stuff. And now I've just added to my, Repertoire of useless knowledge. Yeah, useless. I mean, that's a, Jason. Jason was probably I like, "Why it.
0: are you talking?" About Sounds
1: about right.
2: Here, yeah. So, but I love. But that.
0: yeah, but I, you know, I was, you know, I watched the GI Joe and the Mask and uh, and all that. The, the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon on Saturday morning. Um, even Dungeon Layer, that early video game that they tried to make look like a cartoon.
1: I remember, that... look, I remember playing that at the arcade and I could not figure out, right? They put it, it was, it was, like right in the doorway to the arcade in the mall because it was of course like the the smoothest glitziest and most expensive game in the whole arcade it cost a that whole no dollar. one could win that right no uh, yeah be, no be, yeah, yeah. You know. it cost a buck and and like there was no explanation for how to move it so like with your first jump you knew you were seconds away from dying yeah and yeah. you couldn't yeah. walk away you had to keep trying it
2: mm-hmm.
1: oh my yeah God. it was a very
2: frustrating game that's why i played um Oh, what was it? Where you played the Barbarian's Life is Getting Low.
1: You remember that? I just hear it. The Red Warrior is (gasps) about to die. <laughs> what game was that? Game we was played that with that the Most of my frosh year and grades were dedicated sadly to that game. Um, what game I was can, that? Chase? I'm we blocking, that. I just lost the name of it, but I can't tell you how many it hours. wasn't the Bard's
0: Tale, it wasn't no, no, New no. Wizardry. You played four characters, yes, Yep, yep, yeah. up I to have. four.
1: Yep. Oh, um, and oh.
0: oh, that's going to be a worm in my brain now until yep. I can figure out what that game was so and that was on was that on the nes or the super i can't remember when i'm thinking played.
2: arcade man that's what, that's was wow. it arcade? Oh, i never played yeah. that there was uh, a
1: um i don't know which machine. i'll look i'll look Aaron, back Aaron, the problem was frosh year which is when brad and i met in my room my my friend slash roommate and i had four different gaming consoles plugged into the same <laughs> little TV starting with the Atari 2600 so that you know that, that nice. and um uh what, what I mean it's probably the only time in my life that my room anywhere was popular <laughs> yeah. well and the, it was and,
0: and, you know Aaron I think comes from the same generation this was you know 92 93-ish so yep. um but now that game is uh, that I I had that game we played that where you could play as a wizard or barbarian or oh that's gonna be
2: I, a, I can't remember it I'm, I'm embarrassed i should be ashamed I say, of myself oh, I, same
1: I, I, here
0: i don't think i ever played it maybe i played it at the arcade i know there was a, a console version of it but do you do you actually it's funny that we were talking i i think i segued us into video games were you ever into or still into doing any like um rpgs console games or pc games or anything like that
2: um i don't i uh, the last i was a big uh, I was a big Madden junkie, playing football, John Madden football. So the last time I played that one, though, it was it had to be prior to when we started Jetpack Seven, though, because I don't have any spare time anymore <laughs> yeah. to do that. But I mean, I have I have fond memories of, you know, being you know, and just you know, being really good at that game. I I, I was I probably shouldn't even admit this, but I was really good at that. Um, enough where if anyone said else. Claim that they were good at that, and I'm like, well, "Why did you come over and play?" And, and <laughs> they found out they weren't that good. So,
1: but, school. <laughs> I,
0: I can't keep up with them because now you need like all ten digits That's to be able true. to use these controllers to keep up. And I'm still at the NES or Super NES stage, where oh. you know it's yeah. two thumbs and and my
1: nephews. My nephews have attempted to teach me, uh, and it's been like a year since we've done this. But they attempted. They introduced me to Assassin's Creed. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, wow. Um, But I don't typically like on a day to day basis, I do not feel old. Not at all. Don't don't let all this gray fool you. And um, but like you said, or lack like, thereof. Uh, well, <laughs> see, it's a good thing this is an audio only podcast. Um <laughs> so, so, but but being given the controller and they're just like so boop, 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 and they give me a list of 10 things and it's just a controller full of buttons. And yep. and it's like, well, you know, back on the Atari, we just needed a joystick and a button. Two of you are fancy, but or I the or
0: that. the dial. Or no, dial, I don't mean, like the pen. no one.
1: It's it's oh well for pong sure, but now we're just regressing. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, I like we're more backwards. Like my wife, uh, that was that was probably my last experience with playing video games. She's a big uh, Final Fantasy and Assassin's Creed oh, person. She yeah. she loves playing those, and I like watching it because I'm I'm pulled in by the graphics and oh, just gorgeous. You know, yeah. I'm sucked in by these games, and I'll I'll just sit there and and watch her play for about a half hour or so, and just be like, that is just gorgeous. Yeah, so. And then I'm back off doing my own thing. So, but it's uh, it's really neat to see how far things. I mean, these kids these days don't know how they have, you know, how good they have it. That's
0: what you what the like voice. Saying, that's you know. great. Yes. <laughs>
1: okay. So, so, so to be mindful of your time, and I, I say I'm going to say this mindful as well that you're so much more than this. But, it, as an artist, <laughs> as a visual artist, I especially since we're here already, I wonder what. What on the horizon, whether it's practice, whether it's technology, whether it's availability of tools, what on the horizon as a visual artist really intrigues you? Like, what are what are you watching?
2: Right now, I think it's the uh, I want to see where this artificial intelligence stuff goes. I really do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hate it. I don't want. I'm just looking at it very neutrally at this point. I think mm-hmm. that's it's an interesting headspace because you know we we made our living for so long uh, making our art. We still do the to this day. We produce pieces out of our head into the computer, and it goes into a book. And so I don't worry about the artificial intelligence stuff. I just am watching it and looking at it, kind of like. Um, like a tool of some sort because um, I don't I don't particularly like knowing that there's an artist with a very specific style out there that is getting their stuff borrowed I put air quotes uh, okay. around borrowed and then showing oh, look how easy it is for me to create a piece that looks like so and so and that's the right. part that kind of I, I guess I am a little concerned with but, so but there's still an opportunity I, I i tweeted something the other day and i don't want to retweet requote what i tweeted cuz that seems lame um but it was something to the effect of like if you really want to show your original work show your progress so show your um, yeah. your technique of how you came up with the idea with this couple sketches show that part and then show the the progress and then show the final piece and and at that point it it theoretically legitimizes uh your process and it's not just a pumped out ai piece so but that's the space that i I, i'm looking at just because i think interesting in a similar way to i've known a lot of artists that were uh progressing from during the time uh that you were a a traditional painter going and seeing all the photoshop people like me coming in and just changing the industry changed literally over five years there were painters and then there were digital illustrators and it's so uh-huh. i think it's similar to that it may not be it's, it might be parallel to it but it, it's just a it we'll we'll see how that goes over the next five to ten years but it's there's some people that might um i don't know i hate to say it but there might be some people out there that might get their you know um i don't know i, I think it'll yeah, there'll be yeah. some challenges for
1: them. yeah thanks that's really interesting yeah certainly something to watch no, no we've
2: and yeah.
0: no and we come from the you know, we come from a generation where we watched, you know, we were all in our early twenties when the internet went mainstream exactly. and how things changed so quickly and then Photoshop and everything like that. One quick question before we wrap, just because you were talking about this, obviously you're doing, you know, digital art and all that. Do you still analog (laughs) analog, IE pen and paper? Um, Do you still sketch out or anything before you put it to, virtual pen on computer or whatnot, or do you use like a Wacom board or a, a tablet or anything like that? I'm just curious because I have, I have absolutely no artistic capability beyond yeah. music. So the idea of drawing and everything, I'm the guy that tries to draw a cube and I still can't get a square.
2: So. <laughs> no, that's yeah. It, yes. And yes. And yes. So we'll, we'll, uh, at least I personally, I like to kind of sketch things out and now it's so, it's so cool now because we have so many tools available. You can you have an iPad now that I mm. you can use an iPad and you can either take a picture of what you just sketched and then bring it into Photoshop or anything like yeah. that, any any similar program. Um and and noodle it, just do all kinds of different things to it just from that sketch that you just you literally can just take a picture of what you what you were drawing and right. work it. Or you can physically work on the tablet itself. That seems to be where uh, there might be other technology out there. I came when I first started. Um, you would use a Cintiq. It was called a Cintiq pad, um, where you would just would, instead of your keyboard, you would just use a little pen, and it was a small little eight-inch, five-inch pad that wow. was kind of like looked like a mouse pad. Yeah, and you would work from there, and you actually have to get your you would you would actually have to calibrate your hand to work and see what you're seeing on screen. Wow. Um, and then the Cintiq, um, I'm sorry, that was called a, a, a wake. I call it a Wacom, might be called Wacom. Waco, Waco. I've always I, said I Wacom, I'm mean with yeah. you. Yeah, Wacom, I don't know. Yeah. I just, Wacom was, it flowed better, but um, I could be wrong with that, but that's what I was talking about earlier. And then, then it went to the Cintiq. So I, I flipped them around, but a Cintiq, you could actually draw physically on the screen. And I did that for years. And now it, it's just, I think everyone's transitioned over to the, the iPads or any kind of, any kind of tablet. Um, there, I mean, you can get them now for a couple hundred bucks and this is stuff that, you know, five years ago would have cost thousands of dollars. And, wow. uh, but now it's, yes. it's a lot more accessible. So, but you think about the art supply, I remember when I went, when I when I went, first, it went to college, it made me, I had to spend 1500 bucks just to get art supplies. Um, you know, just physical art supplies like markers and, and paper and stuff like that, and that was a load of money back. Then.
1: <laughs> it's a load of money <laughs>
2: back now. Nineteen ninety, so so fifteen hundred dollars just for art supplies back then. So now it's it's nothing to be able to go out and spend three hundred bucks for a tablet, and you can go get some free software um, that's completely legal to use that does everything I've ever been able to do in that little tablet with way more speed. So incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing how far it's got. And I remember my instructor in college, you know, telling us one of these days, you're going to be able to draw on a computer screen. And I was just like, you got to be (laughs) (laughs) crazy. You're crazy. No (laughs) way. we have even gone beyond
0: that now because the power that's in a tablet transcends a lot of the computing power that we may have had just five years ago.
2: I know. So I can't, I mean, think about this. I'm going to wire up my brain. I'm going to put these little things on my head. And it's right. just going to squeeze out a, an image here pretty soon. So, but AI
1: almost does that now anyway. So we'll see how it goes. Well, yeah, just, just to what you were saying before, right? I mean, eventually all the tech converges with the creativity and then something new will come up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's still going to be a need for there. you know, the part of the challenge with AI images right now, they, the fatal flaw with that is, that is that they apparently can't draw hands. So if you see wonky hands from a, uh, in a, in an image 90 is a good chance that it's, it's, it's that is an artificial intelligence. Really. So that's the, uh, that's the one. So whatever you're going to draw, I guess,
1: draw a lot of hand <laughs> stuff. <Stop. laughs> To keeping when the machines clothes. rise,
2: draw hands.
1: Right? <laughs> right. Put up your That'll hands. be the right. <laughs> we must descend, and we just hold up open hands. Yeah, right? it just confuses them. Right? <laughs> Opposable
0: thumbs still will keep us alive. <laughs> right. So, hey, Aaron, thanks so much. We could keep going because I love the
1: as someone who yeah, is not so interesting,
0: artistic of in it. that way. I could talk. I could ask questions for hours about it because of the creative process yeah. and everything so we'd love to have you back at some point if you're willing because that's yeah. just it's it's fascinating how you can take i'm holding up you know the dm guide and and the, uh, the book dragons yeah that's yeah, gorgeous and how yeah. how the how the drawing and the art in these are just absolutely gorgeous and just so people remember it's the game master's book of legendary dragons Um, published by Media Lab Books. I know you can get it on Amazon because I pre-ordered it. There's multiple places to get it. But Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a quick place, um, Mm -hmm. grab it as as a Dragon fan or even as a fan of RPG is lit, which is something Jason, you and I talk about a lot. Um, This is great material to to read through. So Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you guys. I really appreciate it.
0: It's always funny too that um, we had to have a discussion offline after we finished the interview about Back Zero.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, United, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think it, it, that's a, I, you'll hurt, hear, you heard that during his um, introduction. We didn't really talk about it. What I found uh-huh. interesting, Aaron, thank you for joining, by the way. So much. Yeah, it's truly a pleasure. Truly a pleasure. And, and to even talk about stuff even beyond gaming, talking about their work with Hasbro and G.I. Joe, you know.
1: <gasps> And how much of I mean, just how much of Aaron's art is in the fifth edition player's guide? DM Guide. Uh, DM, I'm sorry, DM Guide. DM um, Guide. Yeah. Um, I mean, like we talked about during the interview, to be right in the center of the canon of DND 5E. Yeah. Uh I mean, wow, that's it's just so cool. Well, you can even hear.
0: Aaron, yeah. when you could hear him talking about growing up and wanting to be a writer and a, or a, or an artist at TSR um, back in the 80s and all that, because we're, we're pretty close to the same age. And now, not only being able to do it, but not at TSR, but at Wizards, which is a subsidiary of Hasbro, and look mm-hmm. at the footprint change oh. between when he wanted to do it in the 80s. Oh, man. And the footprint and the people, the number of people. that are seeing his art and seeing his company's art and all of the people that work with him.
1: And how Um, cool that he was, I mean, essentially discovered. Yeah. Right. And like so many, and this is not to minimize Aaron's work at all, because it's because of the caliber of his work that he had these opportunities. But I appreciate that here was someone with the real drive. A real passion knew the kind of work they had to do, and then simply pursued it. Were recognized, and people people helped out along the way. Right between talent and colleagues, he had these chances, and look what became of it. Um, uh, Just just so so neat. Yeah. So not to cut you off. I mean. No, no, no. no, You you summed it up as
0: as usual. You could sum up things more eloquently than I can. I think it was. This was another. Cool opportunity to talk to someone who is so creative in ways that mm-hmm. I'll I'll speak for you that we don't touch.
1: You no, know, it's not our right. realm.
0: And so yeah. to always talk to someone from a different, yes, from a different angle is fascinating. Yeah. And his yeah. the skill. You know, go through the DM guide and look at all the material that's out there. And oh man, just know that you know he had a hand in a lot of that, and just. The skill it takes to draw that way. And I we touched no. on it on the end. Oh, yeah, I would beautiful. I would love to hear more sometime about and maybe it's just me being nerdy. Um could be. The the tools you use to draw now versus
1: the old days of just pure pen and paper well, and, and you know we're gonna get into that in in a subsequent episode in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, the, 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 tech, the tech I mean, hardly the tech and the tools. Mm -hmm. they've changed okay so let's put down our stones and chisels and walk over to the GM corner
0: yeah stones and chisels i'd be so lucky to be able to draw like that um oh man for me um a lot of this week has been spent obviously in um the game master's book
1: Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm.
0: work that we've been doing and preparing for our live play episodes Um, (laughs) yeah you've been plugging away yeah, plug it away. And and I've had I I've talked to Jason about it. I get I sometimes psych myself out a bit because um I watch some of these beautifully professionally produced live play episodes, you know, from you know you know and even unique stuff like from Mythic thunderloop you know I listen to. The, I sorry guys, oh. I can't listen to you and then 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 write my stuff out because I there is a huge
1: inferiority
0: complex. Yeah. Brad
1: just breaks into song, yeah, and yeah. tears. Yeah. So
0: because I can't beat it, but um, yeah, that's that's really yeah. where my yeah. my mind has been. How about you?
1: Well, I will say now that our three sessions of live play are behind us and we're back in interviews. Uh, I will say I thoroughly enjoyed the live play recordings with you obviously i just enjoyed playing D, yeah and playing dnd yeah. with you and i definitely feel like i'm much more in my comfort zone talking about stuff like this interviewing people uh connecting it to real life talking so about fact zero exactly yeah exactly so um uh, I will say so, in, in not so much on my desk at the moment, uh, as much as just happy to be back in the proverbial saddle of what this podcast has evolved into, um, especially with, you know, talking to people like Aaron and then um just what's coming in the couple of weeks. And just as a reminder, uh, for everyone, and we want to make sure we 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 say this every few episodes, but uh, as we approach the end of the year, uh, Brad and I will be dedicating um, probably a couple episodes uh, in different ways to talking about the intersection once again of mental health and RPGs and all of that. It's uh it's something that's been on our minds a lot. And with the holidays coming and the stress and the research on the stress that we've known for so long, it seems like a really good time to talk about it.
0: Well, yeah, and I think you know I. I'm transparent about it. I've had my struggles. I had my struggles earlier when I said i have been under the weather. Part of it was um, my own struggles with it as I don't talk about it a lot, but I had some surgery at the end of 2021 and I have yeah. had some weight loss and it's adjusted. I've had to do med adjustments and um, that affected it. So it made it hard. I didn't do a lot of Twitter. I kind of, I kind of sequestered myself cause I knew that. And I, and I'm not the only one point being, it's not yep. about me. It's about all of us. All of us, in some way, shape, or form, do it. And I'm and I'm lucky that I have a friend who has, um, who hasn't. You're a clinician. You're a teacher, and not only that, but there are people out there in the gaming universe that not mm. only experience it but also mm. are clinicians as well. And so, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, I think yeah. I think a call it to anyone who who has yep. a clinical background and who who uses gaming and rpgs and all that as a means yep. of therapy we'd love to talk to you
1: yep yep we've, we've talked to, to to a couple of you along the way and thoroughly enjoyed that there are others on the list We're we're working our way to get to you so yep. with that everybody as always uh be well stay well we will see you next week